0: Amen all right well genesis forty five and I uh, want to uh, share this passage with you and uh, well, it's a lot of pressure. I'm not used to preaching themes, you know. Uh, but, uh, but but my mind kept going back to this passage, and, and I want to share it with you, uh, Genesis chapter number 45, and I want to preach a little bit about Joseph, and we understand that uh, that Joseph, the, the account with Joseph uh, is uh, a, a great picture of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I heard somebody refer to, uh, when you read about the story and the account of Joseph being the, the gospel according to Genesis, you know, that you read here in the account of Joseph, and and to relate to that uh, lamb and lion uh, deal, I think we see a great picture of that in Joseph, and I'll just give you the survey I'm sure many of you are familiar with, but the life of Joseph serves as a great type of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when you consider the similarities, beginning in Genesis chapter number 37, uh, we find out that Joseph is the beloved son of the father. The beloved son of the father. And not only is he the beloved son of the father, but he's one who delights to do his father's will. His father sends him to his brothers, but they despise him and they despise the message that he brought. And the Bible, interestingly enough, says that they envied him. And uh, they envied him because of his dreams, and they they envied him because of his words. Uh, But it was the same way when you go read with, we know that the Lord Jesus Christ was obviously the beloved Son of the Father. He uh, delighted in the Father's will, and he too came to this earth. The Bible says he came unto his own, and his own received him not. And just like Joseph came to his brothers and was not received. He's rejected of his brothers. And he's roughed up and he's thrown into the pit. Well, that's the lamb. That's the lamb part, isn't it? That's a that's a picture of the rejection of the nation of Israel toward the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, uh, just as he went down in that pit, Jesus was crucified on the cross, carried our sins, bore our sins. Thank the Lord, uh, he was put in that pit. Praise God, he was, Jesus was put in the tomb. Three days later, he rose again. Joseph was put into the pit, uh, but he was brought up out of that pit later. And interestingly. Interestingly enough, we know that his brother uh, Judah, you put Judah in the New Testament and it goes into Judas, it's the same name, sold him for silver. He was brought up out of the pit and after being rejected by his brothers, he goes to the Gentiles. He goes to the Gentiles and his ministry to the Gentiles began. Uh, he's He's exalted eventually in chapter 41. He's exalted on high. And in Genesis 41, verse 45, he's given a name that's above every name. Uh, and that name is Zaph Nath-Paneah. And that name to the Hebrew means the revealer of secrets. But in Egyptian, it means the Savior of the world. And so uh, we see a beautiful picture there of the Lord Jesus Christ and his ministry and that which he did. And of course, interestingly enough, during that time, he also took a Gentile bride. He took a Gentile bride out of Egypt and I'm glad that uh, although Jesus was rejected and although he was despised of his brethren, I'm glad he went to that cross faithfully and he rose again and indeed he went to the Gentiles. And we know that the gospel is to the Jew and the Gentile alike, but I'm glad he's taken to himself a Gentile bride, aren't you? And uh, so praise God, we we see that and he's the Savior of the world. He's exalted on high. And after some time passes, uh, following Genesis 41, we understand that there's a time coming that Joseph had prophesied, that Joseph had promised would come. And there's a seven-year famine that comes to the land of Egypt. And beloved, we know there's a seven-year period of tribulation that is to come in this earth. Daniel's 70th week uh, will soon begin and be fulfilled. But during the time of that seven-year famine, that seven years of tribulation in the world of Joseph's day, that's what drove his brothers to Joseph. And just as the tribulation, the Bible calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. And we understand that sin will be judged and all the many things, but we understand that one of the great purposes there is to bring Israel. The Bible says Israel will be saved in a day. And so that the seven years of trouble bring Joseph brothers back to him just like the seven years of tribulation will bring the nation of Israel back to himself and since uh, and, and and as a result of their being reconciled with the beloved son they're also reconciled with the father because you cannot be reconciled to the father without the son and although they've uh, still lived under the provision of their father Joseph's brothers for these many years their relationship with him has not been right because of their sin but when they get it right with Jesus amen they're going to get it right with the father and beloved if that doesn't talk about the 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 lamb to the lion. I don't know what does. Amen. Just a beautiful picture. But in this message, just over the next few moments, I want to consider and and like to imagine uh, and draw some application, if you will, to the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in saving sinners. Beginning in chapter number 42, Joseph begins to seek and to draw his brothers now, he don't know who they are at first, but he knows who they are. And he's doing a work in them. He's working circumstances. And, and if you read that story, I don't know how many of you read that and, and thought to yourself, boy, he's really getting them back. I know the first time I thought that, I thought He was being petty and I thought He was being spiteful. But man, when you go back and read it in the proper context, you understand that that is not the case. He's doing a work. He's planfully and skillfully uh, working to bring them back into the relationship and of course to test their sincerity. And I don't know about you, but I sure am glad for the day that the Lord began to draw me and to show me my need of Him. Listen, I wasn't looking for Him, but I'm glad He was looking for me. Amen? And I'm glad, hallelujah, that He loves me, and He was working in my life uh, even even before the night that I think about getting under conviction. Well, I think I can look back to how far beyond that and think, you know what? God was working in my life to bring Him, uh, bring, my, bring me to Himself. And I'm glad that it's God's will for all men to be saved. And He's working on men's hearts. Amen? But I remember when He was drawing and working on me, chapter number 44, it all came to a head when Joseph placed a silver cup in Benjamin's sack and then sends his chief steward uh, to put him under arrest. And he reveals to him uh, in these verses who he is that we're about to read in this chapter, and I'm glad for the day that the Holy Ghost of God came after me, amen, and showed me my need for Him. And in this chapter, we find out that justice and judgment calls, but thank God, mercy answers. Uh, I can say that, brother, but don't ask me to sing it, all right? uh, Boy, Brother zeckman has got a nice singing voice, amen, but I can assure you that I do not. But in Genesis 45, look what the Bible says here, uh, beginning in verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, then Joseph could not refrain himself before all of them that stood by him. And he cried, cause every man to go out from me. And there stood no man with him, while Joseph made himself known unto his brethren. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians in the house of Pharaoh heard. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I am Joseph, doth my father yet live? And his brethren could not answer him, for they were troubled at his presence." So now, what I want to look at just over the next little bit that I believe is illustrated in these verses is why, that, why was Joseph doing what he was doing? Why has Jesus done all that he has done? Why has Jesus uh, brought us to Himself? Why did He convict us? Why does He give us the opportunity uh, to meet Him and to know Him? Why does He reveal Himself? And I think there's just a couple practical things that we can see in these verses. Number one, I want to say for this, pardon Pardon. Notice what the Bible says in verse 4. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near to me, I pray you. And they came near. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom ye sold into Egypt. He points out to them their sin. But notice what he says. Now therefore be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that ye sold me thither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. See, He wanted to pardon His brothers, but folks, in order to pardon them, He had to first address their sin. Uh, Love does not gloss over sin, but it addresses the sin. But I want you to know something. The reason He pointed our sin out to us is the same reason He points out the brother's sin to them is so that it can be pardoned. If you're covering it up, He can't take it away. Amen? But if you're willing to come out in the open and say, Lord, here it is, and that's what they had to be willing to do, and they were the Lord had already been working on their hearts and making their hearts tender, but listen, their sin was mentioned only so He could pardon it. Folks, Calvary pictures what sin did from one perspective. Because He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And so, from one perspective, it shows what sin does. It shows the consequences of sin uh, as a result of what Jesus uh, had to go through. But from another perspective and from another uh, view, folks, I'm glad that it shows that God meant it all for good. It does reveal uh, His rejection, His suffering, His pain, and His disgrace, but I'm glad that God meant it all for good. Folks, do you realize that you and I are the ones that are guilty of of, of the Lord's life? He gave His life for us. It was our sins uh, that held Him to that cross. It was our sins that caused Him to go through being despised and rejected. It was our sin that made the Father turn His back on Him. And I'm so glad that God meant it for good. Boy, I tell you, we—I not only do I not deserve to be here today, folks, I don't deserve to be anywhere but in hell today. Maybe suffering a long ways on my way, but by the grace of God, because of a God that pardons, I stand before you today. I'm so glad for what the Bible says in Romans chapter number 5, when it says, When we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So why does He work on a sinner's heart? Why does He reveal uh, their need? I tell you, He does it to pardon. Aren't you glad that we've got a God that's full of compassion, full of grace, full of mercy? Folks, we do need to preach against sin and we do need to take a stand against sin. But we need to remember why we're doing it. We don't want to condemn the sin with their sinner. We want to bring sin to light so they can see that they can be forgiven. Amen. I'm, I'm glad that one day I heard the joyful cry, "Jesus saves, Jesus saves." And beloved, uh, we need to let that continue to go out, don't we? God pardons. Amen. God receiveth sinful men. Uh, the Bible says that the Son of Man came not, to, or the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Folks, I want to see folks saved. Don't you? And I still believe God. Can forgive and get a hold of people's hearts and pardon people for their sin. So, one of the reasons he revealed himself was to pardon us, but another reason was for the purpose of provision. Notice what the Bible says in verses 6 through 8 For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in which there shall neither be earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and lord over all of his house and ruler throughout the land of Egypt. But what does he say there? He says, folks, there's some dark it's tough right now, but there's some tougher days coming. And he says, you may not know when those days begin and when they end, but he says, I know when they start. And I know when they're coming to an end. And I know what you need. There's a provision there. He knew what the future held. They did not know. They could not see the dark days that lie ahead. But the world, for the world, but Joseph knew. And he knew what was best for them. Listen, come what may, they had his promise. And listen, in verse 8, he reminds them that he is over all. He says, I've been put in charge of the granaries. I've been put over everything throughout the land. And folks, every once in a while, we just need to be reminded that our God that has promised to take care of us, Amen, He's over all. These men, you know, sometimes it's easy to get in a situation in our lives and we say, Lord, do you know where I'm at? Have you forgotten me? I mean, because here they are in the midst of this famine and it's almost as if we're saying, God, we don't say this, but sometimes our attitudes are almost like, God, what's going on? What are you doing? Do you see where I'm at? But I'm telling you, there's a God that promised, amen? And the God that gave us the promise, the God that Save me, the God that saved you. He's the God that will pardon, and He's the God that, hallelujah, will provide. Come whatever your need is. We get mixed up sometimes on what our needs are but God knows what our needs are. And folks, I want you to know that He's not only promised to provide, He can provide. Because I'm telling you, He owns it all. So whether it be a financial need, whether it be a spiritual, whether it need be an emotional need, hallelujah. I'm glad that all of our sufficiency is in Him. It's not counting on me. It's not counting on some supporter. It's not counting on anyone else. Thank God, I'm glad the big, strong God, infinite, omniscient, omnipotent God of all glory is the one that promised. Amen. Boy, you talk about power. You talk about this God, this King, this one that's overall, that's able to call the shots and say, I will provide. And so He's promised to pardon, to provide. There's another reason that he, uh, that he saves us, that He's pardoned us, that He's revealed Himself to us. Notice what the Bible says in verse 9. The Bible says, Haste ye, go up to my father. This is what Joseph is telling his brothers. Go to my father... And say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. Verse 13. And you shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and all that ye have seen. And you shall haste and bring down my father here. This is pretty good right here. You know what he says? I want you to go tell the father about how great I am. In other words, one of the reasons, believe it or not, that He's revealed Himself unto us is that we might be a part of the praise unto God. That we might praise Him. Can we find, when you think about this, a more expressive description of worship than what's been described right here? I imagine that they could have said something like this. Father, because this is what He said, go tell my Father. Father, we have come to tell you about your beloved darling Son. First of all, we confess that we once hated Him, cast Him out, rejected Him. We saw His woe and His agony. We turned our backs on Him. But Father, we have seen Him. And He's raised on high. And Father, He's been given a name that's above every name. He has all power. People are coming to Him from all over the world. Father, Your beloved Son is altogether lovely. Let me just tell you, He's the chiefest among 10,000. We did not see beauty in Him before, but now His beauty takes our breath away. He's all in all. Oh, Father, and, and in His grace... He's got the power and He's got the authority, but all His grace and His mercy. He's forgiven us of all our sins. He tells us to cast all of our care upon Him. He's promised us security and safety. And His desire is that where He is, there there we may be also. What are they doing? They're going to the Father and they're praising and you know what's greatly, greatly lacking in the life of so many children of God today is a good, healthy dose of praise. I mean, praise in the Lord, a glorifying God. The psalmist said, seven times a day will I pray and praise Thee. But we need to have praise as an active part of our lives as God's people. Daily we need to praise the Lord. I like what the psalmist says. He says, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. But let me stop for a second. Have you ever thought about that verse where the Bible says, magnify the Lord I mean, how do we magnify the God that fills all time and eternity? How do we magnify? How do we make a God bigger that was able to measure out the oceans in the palm of his hand? How in the world can we magnify, make bigger that kind of God? Well, obviously, in the literal sense, he can't be made any bigger. But I tell you what, our problem today is that we get a complex. We get a grasshopper complex. We begin to think. We begin to look at ourselves as small, and that part's true. We begin to look at our circumstances as big, and that part's true. You know, I mean, we we, we deal with diseases. We deal with troubles. We deal with major problems. The brothers Zayn are way beyond anything we can handle. I can't handle this. You got that right. It's too big. But see, what we do is we see how big that problem is. But, folks, and then if we're not careful, I'm telling you, there's the average, I believe sometimes that the average Christian today, their, their, their attitude toward prayer is something like this. They go to God and they go, God. But we get it all wrong and there's no wonder that we're discouraged. There's no wonder that we've lost our joy because we're looking at how big those giants are. But folks, it's about time that we learn to get an attitude of praise and that we magnify the Lord in our hearts and minds and we're reminded of how great and powerful and awesome He is and we need to start telling our problems how big our God is. Amen? It's not about some nine or ten foot giant. Amen? I'll tell you what it is about. It's can't take on that giant, but my God can. Amen. And what we need to do is we need to magnify the Lord. Praise God. Did you know the Bible says over in the book of Philippians, it says be careful for nothing. When it talks about anxiety, worry. Anybody ever worry? Anybody ever have anxiety? Uh, The Bible says be careful for nothing. But I'm glad God just don't say don't worry. He goes on and tells us the remedy for. He says, be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving, we just say prayer when we pray. But the Bible makes distinctions. That word, by. pray wrong, we think we think wrong, then we pray wrong, then we're living wrong. How we what do you mean I'm praying wrong? No, no, no. The Bible says with everything our prayer. So when I, when I go to that before God, before I come to God and say, like, oh God, it's just big and bad. I need pause just for one second and say, Lord, I just gotta pause a second and praise you. The great God of glory, uh, the infinite uh, God. The, all pop, the, the God that spoke and this world came into existence. The God that's great and mighty, but the God that in spite of that will love me enough to send his son to die for my sins.
1: Oh, Hallelujah!
0: And more, you love, if you love me enough not to spare your own son, how much more should you free to give me all things? God with the burden, but you know, kind of think about it. I'm hoping you see me through it, but as I think about it, Lord, you've already seen me through this. And you're already bigger than this problem. You're already bigger than this circumstance. And Lord, I just want to praise you. And then the Bible says we can pray with supplication. But I'm telling you what you will find. If you learn to praise God the way you ought to, all of a sudden goes to Praise and supplication, but some things we're just flat out worried about that we shouldn't be worried about. We just need to praise God and go on, Amen. So we need to learn to praise Him. That's part of the reason, Amen. I mean, and you know, I think it's so funny as Baptists sometimes, you know, because we're all about the book, aren't we? Supposed to be. The Bible's the sole authority for faith and practice. The Bible says that we believe it, we do it, Amen. But yet, when it comes to praise, you know how we do? Well, you know, if I feel led, I'll I'll praise them. I just didn't really feel led. I didn't want to be in the flesh. Funny we don't talk about that when it comes to giving. Being faithful to church. You know, I didn't really feel led to read my Bible today, so I didn't do it. I didn't want to be in the flesh and read the Bible. Isn't it funny how we do that kind of stuff? We don't do that with those things. Why do we do that with praise? Why do, we, why do we do that with praise? Well, if God tells me to. Well, if that's your attitude, buckle up. Amen? Because the Bible says in Psalm 106, 1, Praise ye the Lord. He just told you to. And He tells you to hundreds of times, by the way. Somebody tell, me how I tell You know what thing I try to teach my kids? I said it once. That's all it needs. How many times does God need to tell us something? Praise Him. Praise Him. Why? Because He's worthy. Praise Him because He's worthy. Praise Him because He's good. You say, Preacher, but I'm not good. He didn't say to praise Him because we're good. But Preacher, my circumstances aren't good. He didn't say praise Him because our circumstances are good. Amen. He said, Praise Me because I'm good. Amen. Never changes. That's right, all the time, amen. He saved us. He pardoned us. He revealed us to to pardon us, to provide, so that we might praise Him, so that we might proclaim. Just think about the message that He shared with His brothers. And I'm closing with this to be in proximity. What a blessing. He just said, I want y'all to come live with me. I just want to be close to you. I just want you to be close to me. Man, the great ruler of all the world for their day said, guys, I want y'all just to come live with me, and I just want to hang out with you and your kids. Amen? Amen. The great God of glory. Me and Atrey, you were talking on the way down here. And you know, I was thinking, brother, that if there's a worse man than me, it's hard for me to imagine that there is. In my flesh, the, the, my old nature, Jesse Haley. By the way, some of us get a little bit mixed up, and we think our old nature got saved old nature didn't get saved. Amen. It's, 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 dead. But I'm telling you that old nature that's, that's, that hangs around and it's just as wicked as it's ever been. It'll always be that way till I get a new body. I can't imagine anybody being worse than me, but I'm telling you the God of glory, loved me enough. The God of glory, almighty God, the Lord Jesus Christ, loved me enough to save me. And you know what? To go through all that, but then just to say, you know why? Cause I just, I just, I just want you to be near me. Toward the end of that chapter, it says that He spoke with them. I imagine He spoke with them about things that would have been boring to anybody else. Let me tell you something. I don't know who else, I don't know who in this world cares about you, but I can tell you there's a God in heaven that loves you more than you could ever love Him or anybody else. He loves you. He Psalm one thirty nine. He knows. He sees your thoughts afar off. He, he sees your down sitting, your uprising. But I'm telling you, He loves you just the same with an everlasting love. Amen. And so, thank God, the Lion, uh, the Lamb, the King has provided pardon, and man just wants to fellowship with us. Amen. Thank you, brother. Andrew.